You are listening to the Bridge Community Church Podcast out of Warrington, Virginia. Our church exists to connect you to God, others, and the marketplace. For more information, you can visit us online at bridge4life.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you are blessed by today's message. And good morning, everybody. Happy New Year to everybody here. And, uh, you know, today, this Sunday is one of those, Lord, I don't know who's going to be able to make it. It all depends on what they did last night. My mom, she sent me a text last night, and uh, I was already in bed. She's an hour behind us, so she lives in Missouri, and uh, she sent me a text. And I, I was already sound asleep, so I got up this morning, and I saw that it came in. So I said, hey, Mom, I was already in bed, sound asleep. Happy New Year's to you. P.S. Some of us have to work New Year's Day. <laughs> now, the reason it is, my dad was a pastor, and she knows that. So I was like, you know, just, hey, I'm just reminding you, you know, what it's like to be a pastor. You know, the schedule's a little bit different than everybody's. But uh, anyway, I'm glad you made it here today. Along with everything that you heard here in the second service, uh, in the first service, uh, we took in five new members as well. So just a good day. And uh, I mean, you know, they're great members, right? You said, you know, what Sunday are you available? And they all said, first service, January 1. I'm like, wow, these are committed people. <laughs> so anyway, so today I'm, I'm launching a series for a few Sundays called New Horizons 2023. It's a little bit different you, uh, in how I speak, because usually I take a passage and then I break it down. Today I'm doing what I call more of a theme related to a particular passage of scripture. So would everybody stand for the reading of the word if you would? We're going to read two scriptures from Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 and then Proverbs 29 verse 18. We'll pick up the themes of what's going on here. Let's begin in Habakkuk. Let's read together. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. And then Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Lord, I pray that as the word is taught today, that you help us with a new focus, with a new resolve, with a new horizon in front of us marked by a calendar. What an opportunity to pause, reflect. And process, God, not only your activity as it has been in our life up to this point, but what your activity might be for us in the future. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to every person's heart today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Can be seated. So as we look at these scriptures, I'm going to highlight two things which will serve as a seedbed for the rest of the message today. And it's the first one is Habakkuk 2.2. It says, the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Some of the th one of the things that God has uniquely gifted us as human beings is this. We know that from research, there's an ability to write something down that we know, but when we write it down, it takes on a new dimension in our heart, in our mind, and in our focus. There's something about having something cross your mind, and you go, oh, that's good. 
And then somehow you write it down. And what's unique is this. When you go back and read it later, it gives you the ability not only to remember the words, it oftentimes will bring back the context and the emotions associated with it when it's, when it's first heard. So the ability that God has given to us to do that is incredible. And I will, I will just say this. One of the things that I have on myself, I have my cell phone and there's an app, there's my note, notes uh, app. And one of the things that I do throughout a year is I always write down anything I read, a quote, a statement, I'll, I'll, I'll type it in real quick. If I'm meeting with somebody, I'll write it on a piece of paper and then later on I'll put it on that app and I'll save it. And then at home I have this journal and it's, by now, I've been doing this for years and years, it's pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. And I can get like 20 to 30 sayings on, on a particular page. And, uh, and I like to take that with me from time to time, because like, like an airplane, it's, that, my journal's more inspiring than the, the magazine that the airline hands out. So. But one of the things I do is I look back and I reread some of these, and it reminds me of the context, the impact, and so like this last year, I, 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 as I was preparing for the message, I was reading, what did I write this past year? What were the quotes that stood out to me? So I was able to go back to January, February, March, and just say, and, and remember sentences, uh, some of you are in it, because you said something that caught my brain, and I made a notation, in it, and when I had access, I finally put it in there, and it allows me to relive, like, oh yeah, that's right, this January was going on, and February, that was going on, and March, and April, oh yeah, I remember the, con that's right, I heard that spoke, I remember that in conversation with, now listen, don't everybody come up to me and now try to sound profound every time you talk to me, <laughs> okay? I can tell you, those are the things that don't make it into my journal. It's just when people are just talking, and they don't even realize sometimes what they said, and you're like, ooh, that was good. And you just make a quick note, and then you know, I, go, I go capture it and uh, save that. So one of the things I've done in this message is I have put a bunch of last year's quotes in it. And I, I've, I've purposely attached it to some of the points that I've, that I've made. And I say that because I really believe that. Write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Because it allows you... All right, let me just say, I think one of the challenges we have is, is we hear more information than we can remember. And we don't have mechanisms that allow us to remember profound things. And we, and we do our best, like, I'm never going to forget that. And you're like, yeah, you are. <laughs> just by putting that kind of effort into it says that you have a mental barrier. Okay? And so getting a way that allows you to capture these things. The second thing it says is where there's no revelation, people cast off restraint. That word revelation could also be translated vision. And it says cast off restraint means people who have no boundaries. There is no focus. So what it's telling us is this, is we do need vision because it gives us boundaries and it gives us direction. And when we don't have that, we wander aimlessly. Now, one of the frustrating things about that is this time of year called New Year's because after many years of doing a New Year's resolution, a lot of people just say, forget it. Why try? My record on New Year's resolutions is not very good. Uh, by February, the old behavior has taken hold, and I'm just going to be what I was before January ever showed up, so why try? You know, when you're young, you're like, I'm going to give it another go, and then after a while, you just go, 
I just don't have any more go left. <laughs> Why try? And, and I would say this. I think it's good to pause, even if, even if nothing changes. Failure to pause and reflect can lead to a powerless existence. I think it's important. The pause, I think the pause tells you this. The pause says I still have a decision and I still have a choice and I still have power. Otherwise, I wouldn't be pausing. The, the pause says I still have some input on what's going on in my life. Because what happens over a period of time, if you're not careful, if you don't hit the pause, if you don't reflect, you can create a momentum that's like a runaway train and you try to hit the pause. It's like hitting the brake on a runaway train and it doesn't even slow down remotely. These times of year, I think, are critical for us to go, hmm, where am I going? And what am I doing? And what should I do different? And I'll just tell you this, we're going to be wrapping up the service with communion in a totally different way than probably you've ever been accustomed to here at the bridge. And you say, well, I can't wait. Hang on, we'll get there. But it's, don't, don't dismiss the ability to pause and reflect just because you've had some failures as it relates to resolutions in the past. So... Somebody, I was talking to somebody, and this was in my journal this past year, I was talking to somebody, and, and they had said this to me, they weren't a follower of Christ, and they said this to me. So you talk about how people can uh, be perfected or become perfect, that your teachings is, you know, this, about this way that God wants a person to live. Yeah. Have you ever attained it? And I said, no. And they said, then why try? And without even thinking, I said this, and after I said it, I said, I need to write that down and remember, because I never, this is, how many of you have ever done that? You said something, and you go, where did that come from? And this was, I said, listen, I prefer, I said to them, I pursue perfection knowing that I won't attain it. However, in that journey, I will attain excellence. I'm a human being, imperfect in an imperfect world. I'm going to do my best, but I know that I'm going to, I don't plan on it, but I'm still an imperfect human being in an imperfect world. Can anybody agree with me on that? About your imperfection, not mine. <laughs> but I said, let me, I went on to explain, I said, let me, let me explain something. I said, in shooting for perfection, you find excellence, but I can tell you this, nobody has ever found excellence without shooting for perfection. And I said, I can take you into the sports world. We, we saw a series of games over the weekend. Of course, winners, losers. But let me tell you something about the, the winners. They won. But this weekend, they're already reviewing the, 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 the video footage of the game. And, they're, and even though they won, they're picking apart, this is what we need to do better. This is what we could have done. This is what we should have done. You as a player need to make this adjustment. You as a player need to do X, Y, Z. And here's the thing. They won the game. And yet there will be this nitpicking about what they still need to do. Why? They did play excellent. But the coaches will hold a standard of, but you weren't perfect at what you did. And we still need to develop your game. But in shooting for the perfection, they become more excellent. Is everybody with me? 
So we need to understand that just because you fail in resolutions, sometimes it took you places that you would have never gone had you never tried. Okay, a couple other things. When you hit the pause button, this sort of comes easy for most, but you still have people who do this. You can't learn from your mistakes if you ignore or deny them. Hitting the pause button and reflecting is going, yeah, I dropped the ball. I made the mistake. I made poor choices. What led me to convince myself that I, should, that I, that I made that decision when I know I should? And here's, can I give you a bit? This is not up here, but can I give you free, free, something free? Okay. Never commit a second wrong trying to fix the first wrong. Some of you just need a minute to sink in. You'd be surprised how the human behavior goes, ooh, messed up. And for some reason, the mind will become convinced you need to go do another wrong to fix the original wrong. And now you got two problems. And you know what? The best thing to do, take responsibility, own up to it, and make amends with whatever you got to make amends. But trying to do a second wrong to fix the first wrong is never the way to go. You're just compounding it. Pause, learn from your mistakes. And here's the thing. I, I swore I would never refer to COVID again, but here I am. <laughs> this is my summary of COVID right here. Prepare, but don't predict. Nobody saw this in January 1, 2020, when we hired Pastor Austin. <laughs> Nobody. And in 60 days, we were announced there was going to be a shutdown for two weeks while the curve flattened. <laughs> How many remember the speech? And here we are still dealing. I mean, most of the protocols are off, but there's still a lot of dancing around the issue, you know, coming up on three years. And my point being is this, what did we learn from this? The ability to try to predict. I don't know about you, my prediction factor is pretty lousy. Okay, and I don't know what it is. If we get one out of 10 right, we think we're a prophet. That's called luck. One out of 10, and you now think you're a prophet because you got one out of 10 right. No, no. And this ability to understand, no, I need to prepare. I just, I need, I need my tool, I need to have tools in my toolbox. Like a carpenter, do I know specifically the project that somebody's gonna call me about and have me come fix? No, but I know within the realm of projects that these tools will help me address whatever customer calls me with a challenge. I've got the tools to handle it. That's how I see followers of Christ, we need to be more concerned about what's in my toolbox so that whatever comes my way, okay, I can handle that. I've got the tools. I know what to do. I know exactly how to use these tools to solve the problem. But am I going to be exact in what it is before it ever shows up? No, I don't know what's going to happen. And then there's this. I, I, I said this, by the way. Um, okay, here, I'm going to go on. Here we go. Whoops, I'm going the wrong way. Here we go. We're going to get it right. The reason we need these tools is because the future has a way of showing up unannounced. 
Some of you just need a moment to process that. That's my way of saying, you never saw it coming. It just was there. The future never announces itself. You get up in the morning, and then when you put your head on the pillow at night, you're like, I never saw today doing what it did today. If I would have known that today was going to be this way, I would have not have gotten out of bed. <laughs> Life just has a way of just showing up. Here it is. And again, it comes back to what, what do I have to address, quote, the unexpected arrival of a future. So let me give you a couple things. I'm going to give you three things today. And I'm calling it insights for spiritual growth in 2023. And I'll be expanding in some other arenas over the next couple weeks. But this is just today to kind of lay some foundations on a couple things. So what are some things that we could do to make, what's in our toolbox to make sure that no matter what 2023 brings me, I'm good. Number one, everybody read it out loud. The principle of... The principle of obedience to God's word. It says this, John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Let me pause there. You do not love Jesus because you say you love Jesus. It says you love Jesus if you what? You, I'm glad you read that and understood it. It does not say you love Jesus because you said it. You love Jesus because you obey his teachings. My father will love them and will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus says, if you love me enough to obey my teachings, he says, you will have my presence with you. Obedience brings the presence of Jesus. Does everybody see that? Then he goes on to say, anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So, this is Pastor Greg sticking his neck out. The denominations that have now decided that certain parts of Christianity being taught as it relates to the Bible are no longer relevant or no longer it needs to be changed. The problem is this. They have fallen out of love with Jesus. I didn't say that they... They certainly acknowledge him. They certainly invoke his name. But deep down, the scripture here says they have fallen out of love with Jesus. They are trying to maintain some type of relationship that is not based on love. So they might feel like they're honoring, they're acknowledging, they like him. But the scripture calls for us to love him. And that love is demonstrated by obeying his teaching. Now, I know there will be people who say, you shouldn't sound so judgmental. You're going after people. So these words you hear are not my own. <laughs> and you know who said that? That was Jesus. Jesus says, don't throw me under the bus. <laughs> they belong to the Father who said, I like the fact that Jesus go, hey, I'm just the messenger. He said it. Yeah. He's saying, listen, you don't love Jesus because you stand in a church with your hands up raised and tears are running down your face and you're just feeling good and almighty. You love Jesus when you walk out of here and you live by what he says are the standards for our life. 
That's love. Hey, 1 John 2, 5. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. He says the degree that you are committed to obeying the word is what demonstrates that you're the real deal. It's not your proclamation. It's how you live. And then notice this. In Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, it's such a familiar passage that we actually lose a key phrase in here because it tells us how to help people understand what a follower of Christ looks like. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody read the next phrase. And teaching them to obey I have every, hold, obey everything. So let me, let me tell you where I'm at. This is one of my resolutions. To the best that I can, I'm going to obey the teachings of Christ. And whenever I find that I'm falling short, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be an easy, well, we're just going to flip the switch and start obeying. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, when I find that there's a disconnect between what I am and what I'm doing and what I just read, I need some time to work it in my head. Not to find an excuse, but to figure out how is that supposed to be translated into my life. Because we all have this thing called habits that we've created. And if you noticed, your habits just don't change on a dime, on a whim, you, you kind of go, oh, I need to be, and I'm not, so, okay, this is going to look like what? How am I going to do this? Okay, it, it just takes time. But I'm telling you, I'm committed that when I read something that I find there's a disconnect between what I read and what I'm doing, I'm going to earnestly engage in a process to figure out how to get it into my life. I'm not going to say it'll happen in 24 hours, but I know this, I'm committed to offering no excuses. Because if I want his presence, according to Jesus, I have to obey the teachings. Obeying the teachings of Christ brings his presence. It says the Father and him will come make a home in me. I don't know about you, I want that. That comes through obedience. Now, let me, let me offer you some insights from some, this past year. I lear I've learned this. I was reminded private obedience leads to public victory. We've all watched leaders who have crashed and burned in Christianity, outside of Christianity, because the private world that they said that they had, which they used to justify what they were in public, we found that there was a disconnect to what was happening in private and what they were doing in public, and then we found out that what we saw in public wasn't them, it was an act. Because the private world was not in order with what they were doing publicly. And we've all watched people's lives crumble. See, the reason you want to obey the teachings of Christ, because you don't want there to be a disconnect from what you are privately and what people see publicly. Because that's gambling. I just don't feel like I want to gamble. Everybody said amen? amen? Here's another one. 
Obedience satisfies a thirst spiritually in your life because it, he, it says that he's the living water, right? So if I deny myself of the living water, then I'm going to start a spiritual thirst. And over a period of time, you can create a spiritual thirst that actually makes you vulnerable. And I wrote this this past year. Never become so thirsty that you drink from every cup presented to you. That's how you get poison. I'm so thirsty because I haven't been drinking the authentic water. Now I'll just take any cup that has anything in it to quench my thirst. If you're not careful, you'll swallow something that you will totally regret. That's how people fall prey to these cults and these false teachings. Because they denied themselves for so long the real teachings, they became vulnerable, desperate. And then the last thing I'll show you about, about education or, uh, or about obedience. <laughs> uh, there's a phrase that I've often used, and it's this. If you don't learn to listen, you get to feel. How many of you have, ever, have heard me say that? If you don't learn to listen... And for some of you, if that's a first, don't worry. I have a better translation of it coming up for you. So I was talking with a, a, a farmer who, who engages in livestock. And he had highlighted this to me this past year. He said, I like that teaching, Pastor, where you say, you know, if you don't learn to listen, you get to feel. I said, really? He said, now, I don't say it that way, though. I said, well, how do you say it? There's no education in the second kick of a mule. <laughs> For some of you, you just lost the entire message. That's the only thing you're going to remember. After first service, I had so many people coming up to me after first service. That was a, a, a pearl of wisdom. I said, wouldn't you know it, the farmer gets all the credit. But how many times do we do that? We, we just think, well, now that I know how he kicks, and instead you go right back and you get kicked again. Now there's no lesson left. You're just being punished. Right. Follow him and trust his teachings. When you find something that there's a disconnect between what you read and what you are, don't throw up your hands and quit. Say this is too hard, it's too much. I'm frustrated. I would say, don't ignore it. Stop and process. What am I going to do about this? What am I going to do? Pray about it. Think about it. Number two, read this out loud. The principle of sowing and reaping. Even if you're a follower of Christ, not engaging in the principle of sowing and reaping doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you might have a very unproductive life. Notice what he says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. So what he's saying is this. Don't try to flip this thing on its head. You're just going to embarrass yourself. God will not be mocked by letting you flip this thing in some other way. A man reaps what he sows. What, whatever, whoever sows to please their flesh... From the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. 
Let, it, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So he's saying is this, don't quit doing right. Don't stop. Okay, so you did something and you didn't get the outcome as quick as you wanted it to happen. But that's not an excuse to stop. Do it anyway. He then goes on to say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. And then he goes, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So the sowing and reaping principle is applying to other people. So this understanding this principle, some people lead a very frustrating life because they try, they try to do life without other people's impact and input. And God didn't create you to be happy by yourself. He wants you engaged in community. He wants you connected to other people. Why? Because he has people that he wants to bring your direction so that you can have an impact. And guess what? Some days you find you're the person who needs impacted. So look at this. This principle of sowing and reaping means you got skin in the game. This is one of my quotes from this past year. Even though God is in control, that doesn't mean you lean on the shovel and pray for a hole. <laughs> Dig. Yeah, and ask God for the strength. Ask God for direction on where to dig. But that doesn't mean that you don't have any skin in the game. So in the, in the principle of sowing and reaping, you got to go buy the seed. You have to determine the field you're going to put it in. You have to determine whether the soil is ready for it or not. You have to determine the season. Is it a proper season? You have to determine how far into the ground does that seed have to go. And you have to determine what do you need to do to get the, the pestilence and all the disease that might want to take your crop for you. You have to think it out. You've got skin in the game. But here's the thing. You can do all that and it's still not work unless God helps you. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. I can't, I can't reap where I haven't sown. But I also know there's a risk in sowing. Because unless God blesses it, I've just scattered seed for no reason at all. The other part is this. This, this sowing and reaping. People are constantly demanding that other people meet some level of expectation in their life. They expect everybody in their life to operate with a standard of excellence. And let me just throw this out here. How can you expect everybody else to function at a level of excellence when your whole goal has been just to be adequate? Nobody makes a lasting impact being adequate. That's good enough. When was the last time somebody said, yeah, it was when they just kind of like did their job, sort of. You know who people brag about? Somebody who went above and beyond and they knew that they didn't have to go above and beyond and they did it anyway. The, sp let me, the spirit of adequacy is a crippling disease among Christians because they're trying to be impactful by being adequate. 
And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't understand how you're supposed to be making a difference when you're saying, what's the minimum bar that I have to meet so that I don't have to? I said, boy, where, where's that at? We have to understand that it requires excellence on my part. I might have to back off of a few things so that I have more ability to be excellent in what I do, which means this. It also goes into that same thing of generosity and adequacy. Nobody makes an impact without being generous. People make impact because they're generous. The church in America is plagued with adequacy. There are communities that don't even know churches exist because the church is trying to just be adequate. And the churches that get noticed in community are the churches who say, we're here to serve and we'll be generous. If that's what you need, we're going to go above and beyond. I'm just telling you, you can't change anything without being excellent and generous. Nothing gets affected unless you bring that to the table. But man, when you do, you got everybody's attention. Because they go, yeah, people like you don't do this. Why are you doing it? I don't understand. What's, what's the catch? And you go, there's no catch. This is who I am. I do it right. I do it the best way I can. Let me say, I didn't say I was doing it perfect. I said I was doing the best that I could. I gave it my best shot, my best. Listen, that translates into life, in work, in education, in service to God, in all these various, whether you're a volunteer, whether you're paid, people who make the difference are the ones who serve with excellence and generosity. And we need to say generosity is not just monetary. There's monetary, there's material, there's time, there's effort, there's ideas. Sometimes you know something that could change somebody's word. So you're generous in sharing your ideas so that somebody else has an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't get unless somebody like you told them. You're somebody's miracle if you step up to the plate. The spirit of adequacy hurts the cause of... Hey, let me ask you this. Did Jesus give us excellence or did he give us adequacy? Look at the impact that he made with excellence. Look at the standard. And that's one of those things you can go back in your life and say, okay, what is it going to take for me to move from the arena of just being adequate to really doing well, not because I'm threatened, not because I'm being told I have to. What is it going to take to get a spirit of excellence in me? That it's just the way that I am. Not something that I just got fired up about when Pastor Greg spoke on it. No. That's an identity that I want. That's what I want people to know about me. That I do it well. And that what I do it well, it's contagious. Everybody say amen to that? Amen. Here's the last thing. This is the one you've all been waiting on. You'll read it. You'll get it. Prayer and fast. Everybody read it. The principle of prayer and fasting. The principle of prayer and fasting. Let me wrap this up. One of the things that we have to recognize in Christianity is, yeah, I might be saved and I love Jesus. 
But that doesn't mean I know the principle of, of sowing and reaping. I can still be saved and not understand the principle of sowing and reaping. So I, I need, I, it doesn't mean that if I don't do the sowing and reaping thing, I'm not saved. No, I'm saved, but I've got to understand how this works. It's the same way with fast. Fasting, catch me just summarize this. Fasting is moving into new arenas. It's going from, it's going on the offense with Christianity. It's recognizing there is momentum out there that is being denied the cause of Christ. Fasting is engaging the enemy. It is not letting the enemy engage me. I am engaging the enemy. I'm taking it to him. Now that's one of the reasons that fasting is so difficult. But let me bring this point to you. Before Jesus launched his ministry, the Gospels tell us he went into wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it says he came back in the power of the Holy Spirit and he launched his ministry. So, new activity came to Jesus as a product of, of, of fasting and prayer. His ministry was launched. Can I tell you something? God has new horizons for spiritual activity in your life this year. But the, the, the barrier between that activity and you is this. There's an enemy that has a wall up that God says, if you'll pray and fast, I'll take down that wall and you'll see new expressions of activity in your life. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. There by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with our possessions. Can anybody say you would love to have that? See, it's going on the offense. I have a journey. I want God in the journey. I don't, listen, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. You come to Isaiah 58, 6. Is this the kind of fast, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? See what I'm saying? That's going on the offense. It's realizing that's out there. I may not personally be affected by this, but I know people who are. God says, I give you the ability to go on the offense and do something about it. Why does it always have to be about us? Why can't we do something when it's about somebody else? So I need to fast. Because there's people, let me, there's people in captivity. That Listen to me. They're not here today. But by this time next year, they'll be sitting here. If you told them today that they were going to get saved and go to the Bridge Community Church, they would leave Fauquier County thinking that somehow that makes it almost impossible. There are people who will be sitting in this place next year because of your prayer and fasting. Because you went on the offensive and said, let my friend go. Let my coworker go. Let my son, my daughter, my dad, my husband, my wife, let them go, enemy. In Jesus' name, release them. You've had them long enough. Listen, you can say it, but fasting is the way to engage it. 
In Joel chapter 1, verse 14, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. God calls us as church leaders to say, it is time to fast and it is time to do this together and see what God might do in the lives of people. Some of us, you'll be fasting and you don't even know the name of the person. It's fine. But do you think that's really required for God to do his activity? So you received a card when you came in. And you'll see we want to start this on January 16th. What I'm asking you to do is take one day a week. I know for many of you it works better if you choose a day of the week. Like, hey, I can build it into my schedule. That makes it easy for me. I can always do it on a Monday. I can always do a Wednesday. I can always do a Saturday. And basically it's this, for 24 hours, you abstain from food, and this is key. When you would be eating, you're praying and reading the Word. This is not abstaining from eating while you continue to work, okay? This is substituting physical activity for spiritual activity. Everybody got that? This is not just skipping a meal. This is saying, you would have normally saw me at that table, but I won't be at the table because I'm gonna be in this room. Praying for God to set my friends and my family and some people free. Their salvation is more important to me than sitting at that table and eating something. It's that big a deal to me. And you notice we're giving you some time. Some of you may already know the date that you want to take. We're asking you to fill that out and just turn it into usher. Our goal is to have 20 to 30 people every day praying, fasting for this church for the church, for the activity that God has for 21 days. That's our goal. 20 to 30 people every day. Okay? And we'll keep you apprised of how people are signing up. So choose a day. One day, at least one day a week. Everybody got that? And just give it to an usher. You'll have time to turn it in again next week if you need some time to process. Last thing is this. We're going to go right into a time of communion. And here's how we're going to wrap this up this morning. I want to help you pause and think. I want to give you time. I want to give you something to take with you today to process. And I'm going to ask that you start this in the middle of communion today. So you might want to have something to write with, something to do this. Here's some questions that I'm going to put up. In this communion time and over the next couple of weeks, I want, you to, I want you to answer these questions with God. What is the most important lesson you learned this past year? By the way, none of this can be answered in five seconds. What is the most important lesson you learned this past year? Some of you might have to pull out your calendar and go through January. Just kind of read, oh yeah, 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 oh I remember, yeah. What'd you learn? From all that activity, What's one lesson? Second question. What did this past year reveal about your core values? I know what I can proclaim. But what does my conduct say about what my core values are? 
my participation, my efforts. What does it say? My core values were. I keep getting it more difficult, more difficult here. Here we go. What advice would Jesus give you about your last year's self? Hey, Jesus, what do you think about me this past year? Talk to me. See, this is not there. You're sitting there, and you're just you're, you're, you're eating up the time talking to God. This is you ask the question, and you sit there, and you're like, oh. God, what do you have to say about my life this past year? And then, an even more difficult question. How would you fill in the blank if you were having coffee with Jesus and he said, this year, I wish you would. Can I tell you something? The Father is always at work. He's always talking. It's just that we don't position ourselves so that we have to hear what he has to say about that. We would rather keep busy because we're uncomfortable hearing some of the, and you know what? Write it down. I'm not going to tell you, you're not going to answer this in five minutes. I would also tell you this. I would use a pencil for obvious reasons because you pray about it one day, you write it. Again, another day, you might want to add, modify it. You know, I'm not, you're not going to get everything you want in just one day on this. You, you, it's a process. Can I tell you this? I just gave you what I'm doing this year. That's what I'm, that's what I'm processing in my life. If I was having coffee with Jesus, what would he tell me? This year, I wish you would... process that. We're going to start that with communion this morning. Would everybody stand right now? Would you do that? And I'm going to ask you to take that piece of bread. And as we do, it's going to go real quiet other than the music. Before we take the bread, I'm going to take 30 seconds and I'm going to say right now to everybody to say this. Hey, Jesus, ask him one of those questions and say, talk to me. And then just close your mouth and listen. He'll speak to your heart. He'll speak to your mind. He'll talk if we'll listen. Let's pause. Jesus, we take this bread representing your body. And we know that we do this in reflection of what you've done for us. But we also take it knowing, Jesus, you're still alive. And if you're still alive, you're still talking. So we eat together now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everybody said amen. Let's eat together.
before we receive the cup, again, ask Jesus one of those questions right now. as we prepare to take this cup we don't just believe that the blood has saved we don't believe that the blood has healed we also believe that the blood still saves and the blood still heals so that means you still live and you still talk God help us as we look to the future. But Jesus talk to us as we pause. We drink together now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said amen. Let's drink together. Come on, sing it. Of the goodness of God. blessing as we go. I bless you in the name of the Lord. May he bless you in this city and in this county. May the fruit of your womb and the crops of your land and all your livestock be blessed. May he bless the work of your hands and home and work and church in this community. May he bless your coming and your going. May the Lord grant the enemies that rise up against you be when they come at you in one direction, let them flee from you in seven directions. May the Lord send a blessing on everything you put your hand to do. May he continue to establish you as his holy people. May all people see you have been called by the name of the Lord. May the Lord grant you prosperity, opening up the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty. May he bless the work of your hands. I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody gave a shout of Happy New Year. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.